Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. I'm not afraid of anything, but if I can't see you, I can't fight you, I can't do anything, it's out of my hands. You have too much power, and that scares me. About a year ago, I decided to renovate my home. I had to look for a place to stay while we were renovating. And then I find a beautiful home. And it was for rent. And it was so cheap. I mean, the price was just ridiculous. The first night that I slept in the house, I had a horrendous dream. I'm walking up the stairs. And all of a sudden, I get this really, really, really scared feeling. I turn, look down the hallway, and my heart stops. Because there was a really big guy looking at me. He was very scary looking, and he looked angry. I was shaking because he was huge and I had no idea why he was there. And he just looked me dead in my eye and he said, This is my home. And all of a sudden, I just woke up. I was sweating and I was really, really scared. But I was just relieved that it was just a dream. And I, I relaxed and I went to sleep. The next day, I drop my kids off to school. I come home. I have a lot of work to do. I was just trying to stop thinking about the dream. But I can't get this guy out of my head because he really did scare me a lot. That night, I put the kids to sleep, and then I lay my head on the pillow. So I go to sleep, and again, I go right into a dream. I'm walking up the stairs again. And I hear this panting. Like really deep, awful panting. And I see the biggest dog. The dog was panting and showing me his teeth as if he was going to rip my head off. And standing next to the dog is the guy again, staring at me like I'm the intruder. And I have no business being there. And his dog felt the same way. He did not like me. I woke up so afraid. 
At this point, I want to leave. Even though this is a dream, this is two nights in a row, and it's the same person. It was making me nervous, really nervous. The next day, I needed to get out of the house. So I take my daughters out for the day, and we were out all day. We were exhausted. We're on our way home. We're just having a good time. I'm walking up the stairs with my daughters, and I open the door. And this is what I hear. It was just so deep and so loud. It sounded like a humongous dog. I was really scared, but I didn't want to show my kids I was afraid. But my oldest daughter, Aaliyah, she's like, Mommy, there's something in the house. Mommy, something's in our house. It was clear as day it was from inside the house, but I'm thinking of every excuse possible. And I just said, Aaliyah, maybe it was the neighbor's dog. So we went inside. I went and I looked through the whole house. I looked everywhere. There was nothing in the house. And it was fine. Once my kids fell asleep, I went downstairs and I was in the kitchen doing work. And all of a sudden, above me, I hear boom, boom, boom. It's clear as day. It's coming from my room. The noise was so loud. It was like someone purposely was stomping his feet. I grab a knife. So I walked up the stairs. And I was really, really nervous. It was so quiet and so silent. But I could hear myself breathing really loud because I was really scared. Now I have to walk through the hallway to get to the bedroom. I open the door slowly. I walk in the room, I see everything's fine. I can't figure out how or what made the noise in the bedroom. All of a sudden, I hear panting. It's right behind me. The panting is so heavy and so loud. This is real life. I'm not dreaming. And I just turn around and I see the same guy right next to his dog. And he tells me, this is my home. It was just the most threatening tone I've ever heard. He was ready to make his move. I had to get out of there. So I ran. I pick up my daughter and I said, you have to get up, we're gonna go to Nana's house. And I drove all the way to my mother's. The following day, as soon as I woke up, I was like, I need to pack myself and get out of that house. So I went to the house and started packing. Trina. And 
the neighbor next to me was like, what's going on? Are you leaving? Do you leave this house? And I told her, I said, look, I go, I don't know what's the deal with this house, but I really had a really bad experience. And I told her what happened. When I told her, she freaked out. She goes, I can't even believe what you're telling me. She said, Drita, there was a big guy that used to live there and he had a humongous black dog. She told me the guy was just not a friendly man and no one really spoke to him. The rumor has it that that man was actually mistreating that dog very badly. And one day, the dog turned on him. She's like, they both died. I feel that they were holding on to the house. They really didn't want to leave and they didn't want anyone else there. If you want to truly believe these things don't exist, you can make yourself believe they don't exist. But I've had my experience with it and I'm good. Cello, two-time best-selling author and international speaker on intuition, and you are listening to Real Paranormal Activity Podcast with Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, February 20th, 2023, episode 291. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in the hot seat. And yeah, the weather, I'm telling you, just like uh, I mentioned in the previous episodes, it's just up and down, up and down today. It's uh, right around 50, or upper 40s, right around there. Uh, everything's nice and warm, and uh, you know, all the snow and ice is it's gone. Yeah, crazy stuff. But as far as announcements are concerned, like I also mentioned in a previous episode, yeah, everything's going way too smooth. You know, it's like an ominous feeling. As I mentioned, uh, you know, when it's that smooth, I'm just waiting for, you know, the shit to hit the fan. So I'm I'm preparing myself. Yeah, you guys out there who are listening, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Tomorrow, which is Tuesday, is a brand new episode of Aaron's Heart Show. And Terry is back this Wednesday. Another brand new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments with Terry from Texas. And as usual, for you new people who are just joining us here on the network, if you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share to the world, just send that to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at realparanormalactivity.com, and I'll read it off on a future episode. And that is it. Yeah, short and sweet. So we're going to do more listener stories. So let's get the show on the road, and you guys know what that means. Oh, yeah, man. Come on, come on, say it with me, say it with me. That's right, to the story then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving, and the fires are still going nice and toasty and warm in here. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner and find an empty spot on the floor, and as usual, while you guys are doing that, get behind my desk here, 
yeah. And I printed off Britt's packet. Let's see what Britt sent us today. Oh. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, we got uh, two medium ones and a very long one. Okay. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So good when it hits the lips. All right. The first one. This one is from the UK. And it's by John. And it's titled, Not a Believer. Okay, John. Let's see what you got, man. Please let me start off by saying, I am the most skeptical person out there, but these are the facts. I brought my family, wife, and two kids to Edinburgh for a four-night stay. We were lucky enough to get central accommodation as this was a time of the Fringe Festival. We managed to get a Jajorian-type apartment and still had old high skirting boards, tall broad doors, high ceilings, and grand stone floors. Our bedroom was very spacious and the bed we had was a large four-post bed. Unfortunately, the kids only had a mattress that we pulled from under our bed, but comfortable for a boy of seven and a girl of six. At the time, we could pull hinged boards over the windows to block out any city light. The room was pitch black apart from a small amber nightlight that we had brought for our son, who was afraid of the dark. The first night we went to sleep, I was awoke by my son shaking my arm, telling me he had a sore head. This is a regular occurrence as our son was born with abnormalities to the brain and it would often awake. My wife told me to go and get aspirin from the kitchen. I sat up in the bed and then noticed my daughter standing at the end of the bed, still half asleep, head down, and hair draped over her face. I said to myself, he's woke her up too. I walked past the man into the kitchen. I got the aspirin and walked straight back in. My daughter was lying on the mattress, covers over, sprawled out, and slightly snoring. That quiet snore she does when she was in a deep sleep. My daughter never moved an inch. I thought this was very strange, but put it down to my skeptical view. I got my son settled back to sleep and dozed off myself. The next morning at breakfast, I told my wife what had happened, and as soon as I described what I saw, I seen her face turn into a more worried expression. I seen a wee girl standing at the bottom of the bed last night, too, she told me. I asked, was that when Ethan was up? No, she said. This was later on. Thank you very much for reading. And man, that's from John. John, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, you know, we get stuff like that all the time. You know, you assume that you're uh, a loved one. And then, uh, you know, in this case, you come back into the bedroom and you find your daughter fast asleep. And yeah, you know, another member of your family the next day, you know, they they say, yeah, they they saw something like that too. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah, John, thank you very much for sharing. All right. What's next? What do we got here? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This one is by Wally, and it's titled First Flat. Okay, Wally, let's see what you got, man. This happened many years ago when I was 19 and had just moved into my first flat. It might help to have a little background on me. I am of Aboriginal descent. Half of my family is tribal and believes in the old spirits. I have many stories about what happened when I was wee, but I'll talk about those later. I grew up in Australia before going to high school in Japan. I had just graduated from high school and moved back to Carnes, Australia. Once I had returned to Carnes, I had to find somewhere to live. I thought it was going to be difficult because it's so expensive. I was lucky enough, however, to find a flat in the city center for $87 a week everything included. The only downside was that the bathroom was in a separate outside building. No big deal. For $87, I would have showered in the sink. It was an old Queenslander that had been segmented into different flats. An old building in the middle city, literally 20 steps to the mall. My boyfriend, Mickey, now my husband, had moved in with me and we had settled in together nicely. He was a late-to-bed, late-to-rise type. I'm an early-to-bed, early-to-rise. So I would always be in bed before him, and a few hours later, he would come in. This particular night was quite cold, for Australian standards. And I had sat up watching some crappy TV show and decided to head to bed. It took me a while to get to sleep that night, as I could not get comfortable, but... Eventually, I fell asleep. I'm not sure how long after, but Mickey came to bed. As he came to bed, he didn't bother putting the light on and just laid down in bed. He said, Good night. Love you, Crackle. His nickname for me. I wrapped my arms around him and started to drift off to sleep again. After about five minutes, I heard the door creaking. I wasn't scared as it was an old house and lots of things creaked. The door swung open and the light flickered on. I was very confused at this point and looked up to see Mickey standing in the doorway and me by myself in the bed. I have no idea who I kissed and said goodnight to, but it wasn't my boyfriend. I had later found out that the house used to be a brothel, so that could be an explanation. And the whole time I lived there, I never once got a bad feeling from it. Quite the opposite, actually. I had a lot of friends who wouldn't come and stay with me. It kind of became a halfway house for friends who were in between jobs or house, etc., etc. And each of them could probably tell you something about what happened in the flat. Maybe I'll also share some of the things that happened while I was in Japan as well. Love listening. 
And man, that's from Wally Wally. Thank you very much for sharing. Man, you know, for all those of you who are listening, you know, I always like to, you know, put out possible, you know, uh, try to debunk things, you know, what things could have happened. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say that I've never heard of someone actually hugging, well, not a ghost or, or anything like that. I can't believe it's um, someone who's physical came in um, that knew your nickname. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just putting it out there. That's all. Is that, uh, you know, you're falling, drifting off to sleep. And then, you know, this person comes in, lays down next to you, says, good night. Love you, Crackle, which is your nickname. And you wrap your arms around him. And you drift off to sleep again. Now you say about, after about five minutes, well... You know, I, I, I'm sure other people who are listening right now has, you know, you look at the clock, so let's say it's 1 a.m., and you just roll over, and you're thinking, oh, man, I need to get to sleep, and, you know, you start to doze off, and, and then you wake up, and then you think, yeah, not too much time has passed by, and, but then when you look, by, uh, look back at the clock, you find out a little bit over three hours have passed by. You actually went to sleep. And I'm just thinking it might be possible that, you know, that was your boyfriend at the time. And while you were sleeping, he got up, did whatever, went to the restroom or whatever, and came back. And you woke up and, uh, you know, he turned on the lights, the door creaked open, and he went back to bed. And that just kind of confused you between, you know, those two times. You know, you you think five minutes to pass by, but actually, who knows? (laughs) You know. But hey, yeah, what do I know? I'm just throwing it out there, you know. Whatever you guys think out there in the world, you know, you got your own opinions too. So yeah, but Wally, thank you very much for sharing. Love this story. Yeah, you know, it's something to think about. That's all. Okay, what's next? What do we got? What do we got here? This is by Bob, and it's titled, First House. Okay, Bob, let's see what you got, man. After my brother and I were born, my parents got married and bought a very small house about two blocks from my dad's parents' home. This was a terrace house, just off the Uppingham Road in Leicester, which was built such that the fronts of all the houses along that side of the street formed a single wall punctuated by side-by-side front doors. Then, side-by-side front parlor windows, with one door and the immediately adjacent window belonging to a single address. The front and rear walls of the houses were built of brick, laid in double rows, effectively an outside wall and an inside wall with perhaps two inches of airspace between to create a barrier against the chill of winter and to prevent moisture from seeping through. The shared wall on each side, however, was usually a brick wall of single thickness. This had the unfortunate effect of making everyone aware of everyone else's business. Okay, that's confusing as hell. Okay, back to the uh, story. (laughs) The houses in that street 
or old enough that the builders had distrusted new-fangled indoor bathrooms. The toilet was a third of the contiguous structures extending from the rear wall of the kitchen. But these areas could be entered only by leaving the house and walking past two storage rooms to get to the outdoor privy. My mother refused to move into the house until this early Victorian era prejudice had been corrected. Dad hired a builder to knock down the kitchen wall into the first storage room, effectively tripling the size to a narrow Eden kitchen, and to extend the plumbing facilities upstairs to the back bedroom above the kitchen, turning it into a light, spacious bathroom with all new chrome fixtures, shiny white and mustard tiles. It was the late 1970s, and everything Mom had wanted. That room scared the hell out of me, but it was nothing to do with the decor. I hated walking toward it. I hated entering it. I hated being in it. I hated turning my back on it as I left. It was a room filled with cold tension. The problem was twofold. Though Dad had paid to update the structure and the fixtures, etc., etc., there wasn't a lot of budget left over for additional electrical work in the rooms and areas which had not been renovated. The lights in the windowless upstairs hallway were controlled by a switch at the bottom of the stairs inside the living room and by a switch at the top of the stairs outside my parents' bedroom door. The light bulbs were at the top of the stairs and at the other end of the hallway outside the bathroom door. My bedroom door was immediately adjacent to the bathroom door. If anyone left the bathroom door open to let light in, it was not an inviting sight. If it had been left closed, the end of the hallway was pitch black and even less inviting. Whenever I complained about not liking the bathroom, my parents would tell me I got an overactive imagination. To be fair, at that age, I was pretty scared of the spooks and monstrous disguises worn by Scooby-Doo villains. The bathroom, unlike the cartoon's bad guys, always seemed like it was watching me. As my younger brother and I grew up, we had bunk beds so we could share the bedroom above the living room. Our parents created a new rule. We could stay up a little later if we brushed our teeth and changed into our pajamas first. Once we'd been told that we had to go to bed, though, I had the responsibility for the hallway light switch. I'd wait at the top of the stairs next to the upstairs switch until my brother said that he was in bed. As the upstairs hallway was one step up from the top of the stairs, I'd be standing with my right foot resting on that step. And with all the grace a clumsy six-year-old could muster, I'd pull the light switch down with my left hand and start running toward the closed bathroom door. Turning abruptly right through my open bedroom door, slam the door behind me and clamber up the ladder to the top bunk. You know, the privilege of being the older brother. When I'd calmed down enough, I'd use the pull cord to turn the ceiling light off so we could sleep. My parents would come upstairs to check on us about an hour later after watching Inspector Morse. Or... Colombo. On the last night I took responsibility for turning off the hallway light, I had a horrible experience. The bathroom door was closed, 
my brother was getting into his bunk, and I had my back to the closed door of my parents' room. I knew that my parents were in the living room with both dogs as they stayed on the sofa to watch TV. We closed the downstairs door to the staircase, and my little brother had preceded me to the bedroom. I turned off the light switch. The light, however, remained on. As I pondered this bizarre phenomenon, I realized that I was frozen in place. That's when the hands, which I could not see, grabbed my upper arms and rotated me rather firmly 90 degrees to my right so that I was now facing the stairs. My right foot suspended in midair instead of resting on the step into the hallway. I was given an encouraging push towards the stairs. I would like to use an acceptable term like screamed, but I strongly suspect that I shrieked. This is when the light bulbs extinguished and the invisible hands let go of me. I pelted along the hallway, slammed the door shut, and I have no memory of touching any of the rungs on the ladder to my bunk. Honestly, if I tried to climb a ladder in that state of mind, I'd probably have twisted an ankle or broken a leg. I have no clue how I survived that ascent. My parents both showed up about two minutes later. It felt like a month, and they were pretty insistent that I stop shrieking because I was upsetting my brother, them, the dogs, the neighbors, and about half the cast of Kojak. I know now that I was not in serious jeopardy, as I was not hurled down the stairs. I was being encouraged to go away. At the time, the terror I felt made me think that whoever, or whatever it was, it wanted to push me down the stairs. Over the years, I have considered various explanations which might account for the experience. I know that faulty wiring could cause an electrical short circuit which may account for some of the phenomena. But the UK runs on 220 volts, not the 110 which America uses. 220 volts passing through my left arm, torso, and left foot would have stopped my heart while cooking my skin and muscles. My guess is that someone who had died in that back bedroom did not appreciate his or her cozy haunt being disrupted by young adults and toddlers showering teeth brushing, flushing, and splashing about in a bubble bath. What surprises me the most about this, though, was that I dreaded traveling toward the bathroom, but I do not recall having had any paranormal experiences in there. The interaction, I hesitate to call it an attack or an assault, I've described here took place at the opposite end of the hallway. Oddly, I was in my late 20s and living in America when my dad admitted that the bathroom in their first house had scared him too. He had never closed his eyes in there, not even when he'd gotten shampoo in his eyes while showering. I honestly couldn't believe he'd spent years telling me I was making it up as a child, but 20 years later, admitting he'd felt the same fear as we sat on his back deck drinking cold beers. I was flabbergasted and furious at the same time. 
I don't think I've left out any pertinent details in the story, and I know there's little to be done about this haunting three and a half decades after the fact. However, I'm adding this narrative to RPA. Thank you. Oh man, and that's from Bob. Bob, thank you very much for sharing. A great story. I loved it, man. Uh, you know, I had my doubts a little bit. Uh, you know, with the being frozen thing and being swung around. But, yeah, you know, you old-timers who are listening right now, you know I love how other family members experience the same thing, and especially in this case where, you know, it makes sense. The parents don't want you, the child, to know that they're scared too because, you know, everything's just going to fall apart. So here you are having beers with your dad, whatever, 20 years later, and he admits to you, yeah, he was scared too in that bathroom. <laughs> Good stuff, man. But um, it sounds like this is a one-off. I'm always curious about this. We get this, you know, quite often. You know, you're you're standing at a place, and all of a sudden something weird happens, and it's it's just one time. And then, you know, nothing happened before that. Nothing happened after. So I'm always curious about, you know, is there any theories out there you guys might have? If you do, send it to me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at realparanormalactivity.com. I would like to hear what you guys have to think, because... Most of the time, uh, with with a lot of these stories, you know, most whatever odd things that happen, it leads up, you know, little things at first. And maybe you might start off right away very, um, very heavy. But then, you know, it continues on. Not just you you live there for whatever, we'll say a year. And, you know, everything's fine. And all of a sudden something odd happens. I'm always curious to uh, understand why that happens. And then it goes away, right? So, um, but yeah, thank you very much, Bob. Great story. And that is it, guys. And hopefully you're finding something entertaining to pass the time by. And don't forget this Friday, two new entertaining short films will be released, so don't miss those. And with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britt, and is also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.